Welcome to the Startup Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Nick O'Neill, and this is episode number three. This week, I'm speaking with Andy Walker of CyberWalker Digital. We discussed how one article changed his life forever while working at a newspaper. We also discussed how his journalism experience now helps him create effective metrics-driven content strategies. In other words, this episode is all about the content. So let's get started. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. Good to be here. So how did you get into uh, online marketing? Well, my background is actually a, as a journalist. I've been working as a, a technology journalist for many, many years. And um, some people who recognize my name, they might have seen me on, uh, on tech TV many years ago. I, I was hosting the Canadian edition of Call for Help, which ended up getting syndicated back into the U.S. and Australia with a guy called Leo Laporte. But I, I've been a journalist, got many, many years, and the journalism business is an interesting, you know, place to be because you know it's it's kind of gives you all the skills that you kind of need in marketing today. Uh, you know, curiosity, interviewing skills, writing skills. But what the piece I didn't have just as a journalist was the marketing piece in terms of selling myself. But the web provided that. So, in, curiously enough. You know, when in the early uh, part of the you know two thousands, um, there was a, you know, obviously the web showed up and there was a way to monetize content. And from a journalist perspective, you know, the, 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 your salaries were dropping. And I'm like, well, how do I sell content online? Um, basically, publishing myself. And I built CyberWalker.com, which at the time was a technology tips website. Um, and uh, and then just kind of learned digital marketing from there. Awesome. Okay, so you started in journalism. Uh, one of the stories that you had mentioned was starting a gadget magazine. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, in uh, in two thousand and two, uh, after the dot the dot com bust, um, I was looking for the next thing to do. We had I had, had run a, a successful content syndication agency for the dot com world um, and made a lot of money at it. And then of course, when it all imploded, all my clients went away. So I was looking for the next thing to do and uh, ended up connecting with a guy called David Bennell, uh, who uh, founded PC Magazine, PC World, Mac World. Uh, he's based in Berkeley, California. And uh, through a friend of mine, I, uh, we started a conversation and he said, hey, why don't you come out to the Bay Area and uh, let's, launch a, let's launch a magazine. You know, the, the gadget world is sort of emerging from the ashes of com- the computer business. And... Uh, you know, Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas was taking over from Comdex, and it was, you know, the new digital lifestyle ecosystem was starting to happen. And so I, I ended up moving out to Berkeley and hanging out with him and a guy called Fred Davis who had been involved with, uh, with uh, some similar publications. And we built this magazine called Dig It, uh, which uh, was, you know, I, I, dig, I dig it technology. I dig technology. And or I mean, some people say it was dig IT. Well, yeah, okay, whatever. But, <laughs> but anyway, so we published a uh, an issue uh, in 2003, and uh, and uh, we're looking for funding. And of course, publishing a magazine in the dot com bust wasn't a particularly easy thing to do. And we we're looking for a million bucks and got our first issue out out of our own pockets. But uh, thereafter, we ran into some funding problems. But it's a fantastic, fantastic project to do, and I'm still to this day indebted to and really good friends with David Bunnell and Fred. You mentioned that you almost pr- went bankrupt from that process. Is that is it too painful to discuss? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think back on that time, you know, I wouldn't have changed a thing. And I did. I almost went personally bankrupt. Um, you know, I sold everything that I had. I moved to Berkeley. You know, I lived out in a little garage out back of uh, a nice lady who was renting it to me, uh, scraping together two pennies, you know, running, raising some capital, working with Dave, working with Fred. 
Uh, and we worked at it for a couple of years. And at the end, I, I hadn't, didn't have a penny to my name. And I, was, I used to go to uh, Baja Fresh, you know, a, a Tex-Mex restaurant in, in that part of the world, and uh, buy this thing called the Dos Manos, which is in, in Spanish, a two-hander. Basically, that was my meal for the day. It was it cost me six fifty, I think it was, and that was how I survived at the end. And then eventually, you know, we were just ran out of money, and I had to get a job, and uh, and I moved back to uh, Toronto, Canada, where I'm where I'm based now, and uh, ended up uh, doing the Call for Help show, which is kind of a, a funny, uh, funny coincidence, given that uh, it was produced, it was initially produced out of San Francisco. So sometimes things take you in funny directions, and I w- I wouldn't change a thing. Awesome. So. Uh, from there, uh, I'm not sure what the next step was, but uh, you mentioned uh, an experience that you had. You know, on this show, I'm trying to explore practical marketing experiences and strategies that people can use in their own business. And uh, you had mentioned something with an experience you had with an article. Uh, what yeah. site was that for, actually, first? So my company's called Cyberwalker Digital, and it's, today it's a marketing agency. But back in... Uh, uh, you know, the turn of the century, essentially 99, 2000, I built a web property called cyberwalker.net, uh, which became cyberwalker.com. Um, and I had, I, at the time I was working as a syndicated journalist uh, for a, ch- a newspaper chain producing weekly advice columns around technology. So every week I'd give you kind of tips and tricks on how to fix your computer, you know, how to buy a monitor, that kind of thing, how to buy a graphics card. Um, and uh, one one week, I wrote a, a column on how to wipe out your hard drive uh, and reinstall Windows to kind of kind of get back the performance on your on a Windows machine. Um, and it was one of you know dozens and dozens of articles. And eventually, I sort of put it all on the web. Uh, but that was the one article that did particularly well. Like you know, of the ninety percent of the content that I had written, you know, they, they all got a, you know a few hits here and there. But uh, but this one particular article got, you know, a vast majority of the traffic at 10 times initially. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. So I should do more of that. And so I, you know, I wrote a version of that for Windows NE and for Windows 98 and Windows, later on Windows XP and that sort of thing. And it turned into this massive resource on the web. And the reason it was useful, right, is because it's step-by-step, a hard thing to do, very in-depth. But you could literally follow these, these articles, these FAQs eventually, and uh, and do what you needed to do and get the solution. I used to get these raving emails saying, hey, Andy, wow, you know, you uh, you showed me how to do this and I haven't been able to find this anywhere else. So I kind of became the go-to place on the on the web on how to do that and um, built an $80,000 a year advertising business out of it. Like, you know, when Google ads, ads came along, we had massive traffic. We were the go-to place for that kind of content. And it just goes to show you, like, you, you know, when you, when you find the one thing that uh, gets traction, you can do a lot of stuff, throw stuff at the wall, and see what sticks. And when, when that one thing sticks, go and invest all of your resources or much of your resources in that. You should certainly continue to experiment here and there. But uh, when something works and has and resonates with people, do a lot of it because you can grow a business out of it. And it may not be the thing that you set out to do, but, uh, but it, uh, it's, it's a way to, to, to find success, certainly, and, 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 uh, and build a marketing practice. So there's two things that you hit on there, and I, I sort of want to unwrap both of them. One of them was how you wrote a bunch of articles and then one of them finally hit or stuck. And the other one is more of the strategic way of approaching that. And I'd like to discuss both aspects of that. You know, with the article side of things, was this an experience you had had before where you had an article that was just really successful? Actually, before we jump into uh, the article, I want to differentiate one thing that you just mentioned. You uh, discussed 
how you started off publishing in the newspaper. Is that correct? Yeah. So I was a syndicated columnist for a newspaper, for a newspaper chain. So this column would run in six or seven different newspapers across the country. Um, and, uh, and so it was a body of knowledge that was just generating there. I had kept the original articles, you know, in, in document files on my computer, but this is, you know, sort of pre-web, right? The consumer web came along in 95 and I didn't build that website, cyberwalker.net till 97 or so. So it, uh, so it was a back catalog of material that I had. Plus I was producing a new column every week as well. So once I started publishing to the web, I had a catalog to start with. And, and then, of course, I was publishing new content, and I published that website right up until about 2004, 2005. So in the days of the newspaper, this is something that I'm not aware of because uh, I never published for a newspaper or, the, or a print newspaper. How did you know that the article was successful? I, well, the only indicator that you have when you're in the newspaper business is if somebody doesn't like something, you get a bunch of calls. Your editor gets a bunch of calls, right? Or... Uh, you'll get a flurry. In my case, I was writing a tech column. So uh, you get uh, a bunch of um, requests for fax copies <laughs> of this. And this one particular article, I think I probably got you know 20 or 30 requests saying, hey, can I have a copy of that article? Um, can you fax it to me? And it was around that time I thought, well, maybe we should use this web thing and, and put, uh, put this content on the web because then you know, I wouldn't have to, because I would always honor that. You know, sure, yeah, I'll fax it to you, no problem. You know, so, so that was an indicator that it was successful, but it wasn't until I you know, put them all on the web. And then, uh, you know, it was an early stats package that I could actually see the people were actually visiting this one particular page. And, and that was how I kind of discovered it. So I became a big fan of measurement, right? Me I measure everything now. I measure my open rates in my email marketing practice. I open, you know, I, I obviously track clout and, and, and clicks on links. And in every link I put out, I try to have a tracking scheme of some sort. I like to know what people are interested in because it, it gives a really good indicator of where my success lies. Okay, so that was a more archaic model of determining, you know, what was successful. And that's actually incredible that, you know, 20 or 30 requests being a massive hit in that case. Although I guess, you know, they had to call up or message you some way to request the facts. What, what's the process now? If you're working on a site and you're producing content or helping someone produce content, how long does it take until you have identified the message that truly resonates with that audience? Well, you can do it almost right away. I mean, we just launched a, a web property for a, a forklift company, interestingly enough, uh, in, uh, in the Bay Area. And um, essentially, we built a body of articles for them to, to launch with. So I think it was probably a couple dozen pieces. And so seven days from launch, we looked at, you know, they, they tripled the traffic almost immediately because they're a content-focused site. And uh, we went and looking at, looked at the top articles that were being uh, viewed using Google Analytics. And immediately we saw that the optimization of warehouses and how to best purchase a forklift and things like that, there was a couple articles that sort of popped up immediately. Now, it, that's not the definitive answer because, of course, things change and you produce more content. But the reality is, is you, you want to look, you know, week, week in, week out, keeping an eye on the top 10. Uh, you want to look back 30 days at any given time and certainly want to do a review every quarter and even annually on what your best performing pieces are. And not just like in numbers of how many times it's been viewed, but also what's growing the fastest. So if you drop a, a new article in and you circulate in social media and email marketing and, and just generally using SEO on the web and you see it pop up on Google, what you want to do is you want to go, well, how quickly is this thing getting traction? Because it's not just the volume of views, but also how quickly the views grow against the action of the newness of the piece as well, which will show you indicators as to whether or not it's been successful or not. I love it. 
Uh, so what you're doing is is periodically, and you're saying weekly, monthly, quarterly, you're going back and you're looking at which content is performing the best, and then you're writing more articles around that topic. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So right now, for example, we're reviewing with the marketing team uh, at the forklift company um, that this, this how to optimize your warehouse uh, is doing extremely well right now. And so we're having people uh, look at a series on optimization. And in fact, we've even recommended that they build an ebook around a warehouse optimization because ultimately that's the early indicator that shows that's the topic that, that their, their audience is looking for. And uh, but although truth be told, Nick, is I'm a bit of, a, as I said, I'm an analytics junkie. So I'm actually looking at my analytics every day. That's really the, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I go, I go crazy for it. Uh, but it's helpful because you can see trends pop up and that sort of thing. So that, that's kind of how we, how, we, how we do it. So you see something's working well. What percentage of your content is focused on the area that worked well versus what percentage of the content is uh, sort of reaching out and trying to discover new areas? It's the 80-20 rule, which is, you know, 20% of your content's going to be 80% of your traffic, right? So, uh, you know, if you look at a body of work, if you look at a, a, a 10 articles, chances are two of them are doing going to do way, way better and probably have majority of the traffic over the, the, the other eight. Yeah, but m more, more specifically here, so that's how uh, traffic performs over time. But I'm thinking in terms of your forward-looking editorial strategy, you're going to go back, look at what did well, include some of those components or some of those topics within the future articles, but then you're also going to write content, I'd assume, about new areas that you want to explore that may potentially be uh, lucrative or successful channels for driving traffic. So, so what percentage of the forward-looking content would you say is focused on previously successful information versus uh, exploring new areas? I would say a third of the new content we're producing is based on previous, previously successful content. We do a third based on market research. So we'll actually survey uh, the audience out there that's actually consumed this content using you know, email marketing tactics and, and that sort of thing, other indicators. And then a third is purely experimental. So it's like, okay, what, you know, what would be cool that we think would be cool? I mean, one of three articles will be that. One of three articles are going to be, you know, oh, it looks like surveys are showing that they're really interested in this particular area. And then one and three is going to be, you know, uh, um, content that we know has reliably done well and we have the analytics to support it. That's awesome. So one last uh, question pertaining to the content that I'm wondering about here is, have you had, so we mentioned one article that was wildly successful and helped you generate $80,000 a year. Is there any other article that you've seen either with yourself or via a client that's been wildly successful since then? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is an ongoing thing for me. So, so um, I'll give you an example. We have a client that uh, specializes in attention deficit disorder. They do a lot of videos and comedy around that and, and blog posts and um they what they saw was their short form video did extremely well if it had a how to component. So it just it was a niche it was niche topic hard to find that information very few inter pieces in terms of video available and how to kills on the web. So those three things came together and they produced an enormous amount of that and did did really well. All of their strategy was driven from there. And then supporting that was a lot of content. Uh, you know how to uh, how to manage Christmas time with your family when you know you're you suffer from ADHD and that sort of thing. So supporting blog and article content as well. That was one example. Um, let me think of another one. Maybe 
there's uh, I mean, going back to the technology stuff, you know, uh, what I noticed was that, you know, mem memory was really hard to, uh, to install on a computer and nobody really had a definitive guide. So I wrote the definitive guide that did really well. And I built an entire section of the website out from there as well, which had a really nice connection into an affiliate program to sell memory. So that did uh, particularly well as well. So it was just, you know, it's just things like that um, uh, that that just occur as they, they come up. And when you see it, you'll 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 see there's like a flashing light will go off in your head. Oh, that's the piece that's going to be working. Let's throw some in resources around that. Write three more pieces. Did that do well? Yeah. Write ten more pieces. Right. Great. That worked. Okay. Now we got fifty, and you know, go from there. Awesome. All right. Well, you said you're limited on time here. So I wanted to hit on one other question, uh, which was pertaining to, you mentioned that you're always learning, which it sounds like, you know, as you're looking at the analytics, that's one source of your uh, learning. But uh, where do you turn to for uh, knowledge? Or who do you turn to? And what resources do you look to? Uh, well, I'm constantly, you know, watching the blogosphere uh, and social media. I follow some very specific, you know, types of people and not just like you know, expert digital marketers, but I look at brands, I look at uh, individual experts, I follow authors, I follow people that are in, you know, areas that I'm interested in, we have kind of cross-pollination in terms of our professional lives or whatever, other journalists are always a good source, and uh, so that's one one place I look, you know, I'm constantly watching the non-fiction shelves um, at, the, at the store and, and downloading books where I can, um, and I talk to other successful people and say, hey, what are you reading right now? Because uh, people that are successful, uh, are reading successful people or the right content. And so you kind of want to follow, you wanna, your habits to fall in line with other successful people like that. So that's really critical as well. Um, you know, but just, uh, you know, decide what you're interested in and go chase those resources. It'll come up, you know, go get training. You know, we, we just spent some money going down to a, an Infusionsoft training seminar uh, in Arizona because it's like minds are coming together around the best practices in email marketing. Uh, you know, stay in contact with colleagues who you really think are really smart and see what they're doing these days and what they're up to. I have a, a, a friend who I worked with around the email marketing who really I think is kind of one of the unknown gurus in the business. And uh, I call him up, you know, every couple of months and I say, hey, what's going on in your world? What are you reading right now? What are you doing? What's going on? What's cool? What's new? Whatever. And, uh, and then follow his advice. What's his name? Oh, I'm not allowed to say what his name is. Well, are, are there any people whose names you can mention that you think uh, people should go turn to? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the guy to watch, the, one of the guys that, uh, that I a lot, learned a lot of my email marketing from was Neil Strauss. He was actually a client of mine. We helped him deploy the Infusionsoft iteration. Neil's really a really, really smart marketer. You know, go check out his websites. Uh, he's built, uh, you know, the Society, which is a, a men's training program. And uh, he has some really interesting characters in there. So keep an eye on that. You know, check out the Society. Check out what Neil's doing on his website and how he markets things. Get on his lists and watch his behaviors. He's brilliant. He's just absolutely brilliant. Is there is there any like book that you've read recently that just stuck with you? I always go back to things like I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, um, you know think books like Freakonomics, Super Freakonomics, and I know they have a they have a, a sequel coming out shortly as well. You know where it's habits of people and that sort of thing. I, I go back to there a lot. You know Malcolm Gladwell's a, a you know a, a classic guy that I that I like to to read a whole lot. Um, I just think the social trends and behaviors and demographics and all that stuff lends an enormous amount of information to, because a lot of the uh, marketing is about behavior and about psychology and about, you know, uh, uh, how people uh, interact with content. So for me, you know, I, I get, I glean a lot of information from those kinds of books. Awesome. So is there, if people uh, listening to this want to get in touch with you, uh, how can they contact you? Yeah, you can track me down at Andy at cyberwalker.com. Look me up on LinkedIn. Tell me you heard me on this podcast and ask for, you know, get me LinkedIn there. Um, 
you know, you can go to my website, uh, cyberwalker.com, uh, and there's a, there's a phone number there. You can track me down there, and we're about to launch a fresh version of that, so that'll pop up in the next couple of weeks or so. But, uh, yeah, email Andy at cyberwalker.com, best way to track me down for sure. I'll, I'll give you an instant response. Just let me know you heard here, and, uh, and I'll be happy to, to give you a shout back. Andy, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, pleasure, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week.